the trauma provided an experience for which I could share. And the choosing to share, recognizing there are fellow journeyers that could benefit from the sharing is the healing. Hey, I'm listening. I'm your host, Dr. Joan. This week, we are talking with Robert Lee Pruitt. The process of healing requires integrating various aspects of one's being. So there's the physical, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual into a coherent whole. And you know what? Robert might disagree with me on that. My biggest life challenge was connecting to the gift contained within the experience of sexual trauma. My career was stepping out and starting my own business. Uh, Health was experiencing cancer. Each of these required forgiveness. This is what Robert had to say when we asked him about the most challenging moments that he had to uh, endure in his lifetime. And then, of course, we had to ask him how he did that. How did he deal with that? So the idea of finding a gift within trauma might be challenging. I know it's challenging. It was challenging for me to like find a gift within trauma. And it's challenging for most of us to grasp. So how did you gradually come to recognize and embrace the positive aspects hidden within your traumatic experiences? Let me begin there. And then let me also ask, how did you get to the point of oneness in your healing journey? Hmm, Well, I think for the first question, the gift was in the sharing, Mm. not the trauma. Right. Right. Not the trauma. There's no dissecting those two moments and going, oh, well, it could have been something else because that's comparison. Yes. Not in the trauma or the event. It's in recognizing that I was able and still am able to share and to share in a way where I can recall without reliving. Right. No need to relive it. There's, you know, there's, there's no upset, and you know, and it doesn't mean that I can't have a tearful moment. What I mean is, I'm not re-traumatizing myself. Right. And in the sharing is forgiveness. The forgiveness is the atonement. And if, for me, you break it down at one meant. <laughs> right. So when I'm sharing, the act of giving is unconditional in that moment because there isn't anything that I desire, request, or require from the audience in the sharing is the healing Mm. i don't have to i don't have to ask for healing right you ask how to streamline i'm not saying anything that you can't find in sacred texts so let me be real clear i am not saying anything you cannot find in sacred texts from the bible to a course in miracles to the Bhagavad gita i don't care what you read you may not be able to perceive it and there's a lot of stuff i can't perceive Right. Because I can only perceive and I can only respond from my level of consciousness. So now let's go back to who I'm being in this moment. If it's fear, it's going to be a limited ability, ability to perceive. Right. Because I'm looking at things from the space of being threatened where love, there is no threat to love. Right. So, yeah, that first piece isn't about the gift in the trauma, it was that the trauma provided an experience for which I could share. And the choosing to share, recognizing there are fellow journeyers that could benefit from the sharing is the healing. And the sharing is the present tense is the healing. Yes. And we overcome, right? By the word of our testimony. You don't even need to use a word. 
Right. See, overcome is a fear-based term for me. What is it? What does that mean? Right. What does that so, mean? I be, I be by the word of my testimony. Right, but there's nothing to overcome. This is, right. That's a, it. It from the outside looking in. Yes. Oh my God! How'd you overcome that? I, I did. How'd you heal that? I I, I shared the experience. Yes. <laughs> Well, maybe, oh, and then, and then you them. overcame it. Well, yeah. by by virtue of the fact that I'm healed, yeah. But who, you know, yeah, like we did it with the whole pandemic thing, and you know, it's like okay, <laughs> I I have. There were things people were saying where I was going, but we never say that about the common cold, right? <laughs> like there was languaging we were using about that that we weren't using. With the it's like, mm, yeah, you're giving it more energy, so. Quite frankly, for me, there I don't even know that I've used overcome. I know we sing about it, particularly in the black church. <laughs> so, and we shall understand it by and by. And then there's a place there where it uses the word overcome, but that's still us attempting yes. to grasp something that we can't grasp. Yes. Which takes us back to the earlier segment. There are well, maybe it's it. more like we overcome the narrative. Right. So I know know overcome is like a word for you. And we're just going to have to accept that as your word that you, you you know, you're just going to like come back. It is what it is. Right. And I'm just healed. I don't need to use the word overcome. Yes. Yes. And the forgiveness P, Mm -hmm. you know, the theme of forgiveness is a common thread through your diverse challenges. So can you describe the interconnectedness you've discovered between forgiving the trauma, embracing entrepreneurship, and then embracing health? Let's let's put it that way. I forgave myself for what I made up about the trauma, not the trauma itself, because the trauma was no thing. I gave it meaning, right? Yes. I forgave the person or individuals involved in any traumatic experience. Yes. Um, but more importantly, I forgave myself for what I made up about Yes. Right. Uh, the entrepreneurship is still ever emerging. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm in a place now where I can say, here's here's what I see, feel, sense about entrepreneurship, because most of it is tethered to this continued hustle or grind. And I don't care for either of those words. I, I play with hustle playfully, you know, in the company of others. It's not really a word that I use yeah. um, because it connotes the potential level of work that is unhealthy mm. level of connection to it because I'm entrepreneurship is an expression of who I am versus entrepreneurship is an expression of who I am. That's doing something for me. So yeah. now I, which, which formula am I using? Cause if I'm using the doing something for me, now I'm in the do have be, what do I need to do as an entrepreneur to have the life that I desire to have? And it's one of the, the greatest challenges now where, you know, I, as as my wife pointed out, and I'm in total agreement, I have mastered the art of hustling backwards. <laughs> and, I, and I recognize it as fear, right? Like, I'm not going to play right. with that. You ask me where I am in my season of life. I have no problem telling you that. Yes. But what I recognized was I also get to forgive myself and <laughs> release myself from the judgment of, of either not knowing, of wanting to hide, wanting to run, uh, believing in that somehow I'm less than separated from yes. in methodologies to try and get back to all of those illusory terms or even to overcome it. I don't don't need to just like, for example, and here's why I say the overcome doesn't work. When you went back into the dream, notice in that sharing, you never use the word overcome. 
No, I didn't. I just beat. Correct. <laughs> you, you were. It was, as you said, it was what it was. Yes. Yes. So it that thought of being in prison with monsters, right? Or not mine, disappeared at the moment you shifted your intention. You shifted your intention so it aligned with the truth of who you were, even if you didn't speak it. You don't, I don't have to say I am empathetic and then do it. It's great to have that until it becomes habitual. Yes. Use or ask the question, how do we maintain it? Well, whether it's in healing or entrepreneurship, it's not a maintaining, it's a choosing with frequency. That's what maintenance is for me. It's choosing who I am from a conscious place in a moment with frequency such that it becomes habitual. But I'm telling you, Robert, I have one of those egos that just hangs on, man. It just hangs on. And and it's, you know, so I need some tools, you know, to work with this ego of mine so that I can be and and stand in that place of being, you know, on a consistent and forever kind of basis. But it's taken me 50 years in order to do this. So when I say shortcut it, um, you know, how do we help the three-year-old who has experienced uh, some kind of sexual abuse or assault or some kind of violation within the family who has even seen something, but it, it has been something projected towards somebody else versus themselves? How do we help that, that being uh, maintain the position of who they are? How do we how do we prevent the 40-year, the you know, walk? And, 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 you know, and so talk to us about some of the practical ways that you incorporated forgiveness in your journey and, you know, and, and staying in that place of being. Okay. So one would be, I released myself from the need of saying it's taken me umpteen years, days, weeks. (laughs) You're asking that's because what I recognize is that's comparison. So then all I've done is brought ego into play. My journey is my journey. So what does it, what is, what does that even mean? Yes. I'm I'm comparing. Yes. it, it is in this moment that you get it. Yes. 50 years or 50 weeks or 50 days from right. the context of love doesn't matter because time does, we're not measuring time. Hmm. Right? I love implic- that. Implicit in that it's taken me 50 years is some kind of expectation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So release myself from the need to, to play with that. It is released. Well, I'm talking about me. I don't know about what you want. You said your ego strong. Mine is masterfully strong. <laughs> and it does not like those things. Um, and it fights back harder. That's when I know I'm operating with greater consistency from the truth of who I am when my ego bucks back. Because when I'm in alignment with the egoistic voice, I don't hear anything. The only time I notice self-talk is when ego is up against what I'm speaking and doing or who I'm being in yes. the moment. Yes. Right? Yes. So, so that's that's that would be one the forgiveness piece <sighs> allowing myself to see it as a right now experience r- rather than a destination. Mm. So if I say I forgive enough times then maybe I'll get to the place where I'm less hardened or mm. ambivalent. No, well that you know, both things can be true. Mm. <laughs> right? That over time. Yes. More is released, but what's happening over time? I'm standing more in my light. So over time, the shadow dissipates, right? Or the the subsequent pain or the narratives that come to the surface. So when I talked about, uh, there's a book entitled 
um, love without conditions. So please understand, that didn't come from me. That's Paul Farini, if y'all want it. Paul Farini, Love Without Condition, is a phenomenal, phenomenal read. And so this idea that in this moment, which is all I have, mm -hmm. if I take a breath mm -hmm. and take another breath, mm -hmm and take another breath because the intention behind the breath is to shift from the feelings associated with fear. Remember I said, when I recognize yes. that fear is present, I can say I am love yes. and peace is my divine state. Well, I may not be in a moment. There have been some moments where I go, yeah, no, I recognize fear is present. And I don't feel like saying that. Yeah. Yeah. So the other, you ask for a tool. Other tool is breath. diaphragmatic. Hand on your stomach, in through your nose so that your stomach expands and out your mouth. Stomach takes you down to the second chakra or sacral chakra where that deals with emotions and feelings, right? So that it clears that. Now, that might be 5, 10, 15 breaths. Sometimes it's just one or two. Yeah. But here's what comes with that. Can I acknowledge the presence of a shift? So you breathing because you're listening to this and you go, well, I'm still pissed 10 minutes later. Okay. But was there a moment where you said... I'm pissed. And first, does piss really capture how you're feeling? Or right. is it annoyed, bewildered, yeah. beleaguered, befuddled? Yeah. If you don't know, then do a loose search on the feelings just for the purpose of being able to connect to okay. what it is. Yes. Recognize that it's fear, which means it's a construct of my own making. Yes. I can create that and believe that. Then I can also believe that the breath, which in Greek means spirit, since we talked about Greek, yes. means I'm immediately connected to the divine of my understanding, even if I don't fully accept it. Notice I said the divine of my understanding, not the religious practice, because that's what messes some of us up. We've been introduced it's to what messes all of us up, you know, especially since we have no quantum, no real understanding of what, you know, religious means, because, you know, all of us are practicing some kind of religion, you know, whether it's associated with a church or not. Yoga, meditation. Have, that's right. We have beliefs and kind of, you know, our ways of, you know, moving, I guess, towards some kind of awareness of who we are. And so, yeah, all of that, all of that. I want to move us into our next segment now. So for those of you who have been listening and have just been soaking in all of this, I want to challenge you to go and look up the two books that Robert mentioned. What was the first one, Robert? Uh, yeah, what was the first one? I'll give you Paul Farini. Yes. Right? And that is uh, Love Without Condition. And what was the first? Oh, you, the book that you asked me about. Yeah, the one please don't ask you me couldn't spell. put down. Yeah, Chinua <laughs> Achebe, but it's entitled When Things Fall Apart. So right. if yeah, his name, I don't... I read that back in the 90s, so I couldn't even begin to spell it, but it's Achenua Achebe. I can say it. <laughs> uh, so if you put up, if you put in African author and yes. then put uh, when things fall apart, you'll, it'll pop right up. All right, folks, that is our challenge to you to go search out those two books and to see how they shift, uh, they shift the ground that you're standing on and, and kind of the metaphysical. We want to now move into talking about vision and we're going to, we're going to close this down, you know, bring our conversation to a close. What do you feel is the greatest challenge facing black men and women in your field of work? Seeing with our physical eyes, mm. seeing what we create, wanting to create more of it and needing to create more of it, having a limited vision, right? So instead of having the peripheral, 
yeah. right? or, or 180, if you will. And, and actually, from a metaphysical standpoint, you can close your eyes and actually see behind you. That's a whole different place to get to. Yes. Uh, but right, the, the physical, let me go back to the word hustle or get my grind on, right? Yeah. So what I'm perceiving are the things that are a threat to what I'm creating or making, right? I think that does harm mm. at all levels, at all levels. Do you think we can come out of that? Well, yeah, I am light, right? I am love. That takes mm-hmm. us out of it because then that takes us from physical sight to spiritual sight or third eye sight. And people are asking, what does that mean? Whenever you dream or if you do visualization processes and you see lights and colors and symbols and signs or people's faces or details, think about it. It's not your physical eyes that are doing it. Anytime you're in a dream state, your physical eyes are of no use to you. It's third eye and there's, uh, you know, there are rods and cones in this area of the brain that deals with our ability to see. So I would, uh, that third eye seeing makes a difference. Do you think enough of us pursue the third eye seeing? Yeah, that's a rough one for me to answer. Here's what I would say in my experience. It feels so foreign. Like, oh, yeah, here we go with this new age stuff. Not new age, because you know, if you look yeah, at the... It's all the way back. <laughs> right. It's you're right. Third Eye has been referenced, even if even for people that look at, you know, cartoons yeah. today, you'll see references to Third Eye. Even you know, if you look at Beyonce and Jay-Z, they're throwing up Third Eye signs. <laughs> mm, okay. You know, and no, I'm not talking about Illuminati as we yeah. think we understand it, but it's still, it's referenced from that because Freemasonry is representation of commission. Yeah, understand, right. like, you know, so I think for many, the way it's introduced, this idea of third eye is foreign. But, you know, again, my background being in Christianity, when folk hear me say third eye, and I go, okay, let me break this down. You know, when Jacob climbed the ladder, what did he say? It's the place where I saw Jesus face to face. Well, God face to face. Where did he see him? Mm-hmm. What's the ladder? It's, the ladder has the same number of rungs as our spinal column. So it is energetically moving up the spinal column to the place where, you know, the, <laughs> the spinal cord goes into the brain stem. Yeah. Excesses the pituitary gland and the pineal gland. Yeah. You know, and in the Bible it says, and he called the place pineal. Right. Hello. Right. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Like I can't make this up. It's right. right. That's when people start listening. So again, you ask me, do you know how do people receive it? I think it has everything to do with how they hear it. Yes. And, and, you know, the truth has been covered in so many ways. That's why we need to seek, right? So we search out the matter, whether it's in our dreams, whether it's in our everyday reality. Seeking is an essential part of the healing journey and the healing process, right? And so I am so glad that you came and sat down and chatted with me today, Robert. It's been a joy. And a real pleasure to have you. I know those who will listen to this, they'll listen to it at exactly the time that they need to listen. And they will glean from it those things that are needed for them to hear and see at that particular moment in time. So can you tell folks where they can find you and what's the best way of connecting with you? Well, let's make it simple. Just use my number and you can reach me via WhatsApp or any other form. You can text me through it and you don't need to worry about a website. So, you know, plus one, (laughs) (laughs) 301-830-6728, 301-830-6728. 
830-6728. And like I said, you can text me and say, hey, I heard you with Dr. Joan and or, or go, hey, I don't have no third eye. Or, <laughs> or I'm in therapy because of you. Okay, whatever. don't send me the bill. I ain't got nothing to do. Nothing to do with that. <laughs> I always close off with an affirmation. So I... I want to affirm you and the light that you are. I affirm that one year old, or I, I forget how old you, you said, but you're on the lap and you're looking at the light and you're running towards the light. I affirm the light that you are in the world. I affirm the wisdom that you bring to me and to everyone that you have the opportunity to engage with. And I pray and I utter this as a prayer that God's light will rise in you and that everything that you are to achieve in this lifetime, that you achieve it. I pray that as God honors you and welcomes you when you close those eyes of yours and enter the spiritual realm, that you will hear the bell ringing and that you will hear that wonderful son. Well done, sound. Well done, thou faithful, great and faithful servant. So these are my thoughts towards you. I wish you peace and joy and love and gentleness and kindness all of those things to just fill your life as you go. I receive that and return it to you tenfold. Amen. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, we hope that you've had just a beautiful time with us today. Join us for our next segment on Hey, I'm Listening. I'm your host, Dr. Joe. 